Sunday. Woo! And the Jets are as bad as the Jets always are. Um, as of right now, Buffalo is up 21 to nothing, and it's not looking any better for them. Uh, the, the Jets seem to be a team that are, like, paid by the NFL to sit at the bottom of the standings. It's like, well, we, we could be good, but the NFL is asking us not to be, so everybody else in our division can, can win. So the Jets are just, just awful. Got the uh, Green Bay uh, Packers, and I got the Minnesota Vikings on on the screen behind my screen here and they're they're tight and i have to just say i just want to say i love so much that this is back and what i love so much about this being back is first off there is one stadium that is allowed to have fans in it and that is jacksonville in florida because is that true that is true they are allowed to have fans oh not uh, even like uh Adam the other was tweeting about it what about the other florida teams like Tampa, I don't know. Are they going to do fans? I didn't understand why, but apparently yeah. it was only Jacksonville. So I wondered if that had something to do with they, they were given the option in Tampa and then mm-hmm. in Miami as well, and they just didn't take it. Interesting. But uh, the other thing that I th- find really interesting is, is the rumor about the NFL this season is the NHL is going to strongly study what they're doing because the NFL is traveling. They're, they're, all the guys get to go home. Uh, it's, it's like a normal season except for no fans. And so the NHL wants to see how this goes because if it does go well, the NHL believes that they'll copy whatever model the NFL does. Oh, now, it's just like us in high school. How do, how do you strongly study nothing? <laughs> I, I assume there are some protocols in place, but yeah. I imagine it's that strict. I, I assume before the end of this uh, NFL season, we're going to see some scenario where it's 5,000 fans in the, in the, state, in, in the stadium for most most teams. I agree. Now when we're getting towards December and November, the season's coming to an end, at least for the playoff games, for sure, I yep. think. Yep. So, I also we'll think it's, it's interesting. In, in, uh, in Americans, this would be completely foreign to you. Uh, but Canada went through an entire day yesterday with nobody dying of COVID, which yeah. while the cases are on the rise, what they're seeing is that it's people under the age of 40 who refuse to social distance and want to party. Um, but they're, they're finding more effective ways of caretaking for those because there's no real treatment available. But as things like that start to improve, you start to receive, to see a return to normalcy. And I'm not trying to say that uh, we're there yet uh, or even close to there yet. However, it's sort of interesting to see that, um, you know, with the, uh, with the NFL and with, you know, the, the effects that COVID is going to have on pro sports. I mean, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, and I know it's Steve's favorite topic of conversation. It was during the lockdown. When will the season be back? We already have to start asking, when will the season be back? Because How I'm- does... How does the season coming back affect Arizona Coyotes ownership? (laughs) What do you mean? And also the next lockout. Arizona Coyotes ownership, who, by the way, were late on their player bonuses. Did you hear that? No. Oh, I I haven't read the article in full yet, but I did see that mess from Frank Saravalli. I assume we are getting to that. Um, We can if you want to. Sorry, I was just interrupting you to make a joke. Go oh, okay. no, <laughs> well, it's just going to be, I just, I, th- you know, the beginning of the NFL season is always kind of monumental. If, if you love football, uh, Jesse and I love football. Steve's yeah, you're, you're I, I, I can't, it. I can't, I just, I try and I can't. And, and that's just, fair. That's just too much. Like, can't like too everything. much going on. Right. Um, but the, uh, I think 
I think it'll be very interesting for the NHL to see what happens to the NFL. And I, th- I also think it'll be very interesting to see what happens with the healthcare systems on both sides of the border and how they choose to treat this stuff. Because um, if you get to the point where you have COVID cases, but nobody's dying, it changes the parameters of how things are going to go significantly. That doesn't mean there's not long-term effects for people that get it. That doesn't mean that there aren't health hazards. Uh, and it doesn't mean you don't want to keep the numbers down. However, what they're trying to do, at least in Canada, the stated goal is mass death events. That's the actual thing that they want to avoid. And what they saw in Italy and Spain were mass death events. And they want to avoid that here in Canada. Um, Obviously, in the States, it's state to state, you know, what they're saying they're trying to do. Um, But it'll be, I'm I'm kind of fascinated to see what will happen. And it'll be interesting when we sit down five years from now and have a conversation when this is hopefully somewhat cleared and in the past and we can actually look at it with sort of you know um 2020 vision in the back and see who did who did the dumbest things and who did the smartest things and what at the time we thought was extremely stupid that were turned out to be smart and vice versa it'd be very very interesting i'm fascinated i think it's gonna be very a very cool conversation but i think to just off the top you were mentioning like uh the nfl season starting signals when the nhl season is going to start and them releasing that free agency free agency is going to start on october 9th it kind of thanksgiving right it kind of gives everybody a date to work back from because you think okay if october 9th is the equivalent to july 1st then then we're going to try and give them two months here so we're thinking like end of december mid-december and then maybe delay it till january so you get some more information but it gives us kind of like a way to plan to see like, okay, this is when hockey's going to return. This is when an 82 season, 82 game season is going to kick off. Right. And, and for anybody uh, paying attention and loving hockey, we'll probably be watching July and August hockey again next season. Oh yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> so it's going to be, you cool. know what? I didn't hate it. <laughs> I really liked it. Also uh, with just, the NFL returning and uh, the Raptors being eliminated and the Leafs being long gone, uh, it focuses everybody's attention to the Toronto Blue Jays who are going to make the playoffs. They are. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And they're young and, and, and ignorant enough to not know how in-depth or how in-deep they're going to be uh-huh. um, because they have one <laughs> starter and then everybody else is injured. It's, it's incredible, incredible what they've been able to do. Um, but let's talk about last night's game with Dallas and Vegas. Steve, in a, not even in a word, in a feeling, in an emotion, using sound, how would you describe your feelings towards the Dallas Stars? Ugh. <laughs> why why are you why are you so down on the three and one up Dallas Stars? We owe we owe all New York Islanders fans an apology. Wow. We, yeah, we, we owe all New York Islanders fans an apology. Uh Thomas Drance, I think, put it best yesterday in a backhanded compliment. The Dallas Stars are not so much a hockey team as they are a boa constrictor. That's just yeah. Just if the Dallas Stars and New York Islanders meet in the Stanley Cup final, I don't know. I don't know. I get paid to watch hockey. I don't know about the rest of (laughs) y'all. Holy shit! Like, listen, it's amazing. Listen, you got to win games. You nobody hold this against the Dallas Stars. You got to win games, uh, however you can. They went out. They made some signings this offseason. I disagreed with. They've paid dividends. Uh, Joe Pavelski, in particular, Anton Hudobin is like one of the greatest stories of these playoffs. M- maybe only behind uh, Joel Kiviranta, right? So th- they're winning games, which is the 
most important thing and they're winning games the way they know how. Um, I just don't enjoy watching it. And I'm sorry. Like when have I ever had a good or bad thing to say about the Dallas stars? Like it's not a, it's not an ax to grind. I'm just like, Holy shit. Well, they, they have some pretty amazing things that are going for them right now. Um, They are nine and one in one goal games. (laughs) Oh my God. and And Ben Bishop has played like what? Three games and been ass because he's hurt. Yes. Yeah. So Doman's been, and here's the thing they, they do. I mean, I mean with Vegas getting a five on three with five minutes to go, you have to think at that point, well, it's gotta be tied up. But then the, the one thing that Dallas has always talked about, and they talked about this in the, in the press conference afterwards and that sort of thing is, is cutting down those shooting lanes. We talked about that with Tampa as well. Um, And they did it like, like Blake Como, who I know avalanche fans hate now, but Blake Homo, what a what a play he made on the five on three last night to to interrupt um, two of the strongest guys on that team, Mark Stone and Max Max Pacioretty. And Max Pacioretty, by the way, hasn't scored in eight games. Like it, it does nothing for his reputation, right? Yeah. Last yeah. night it reminded me so much of Toronto versus Columbus because at one point the shots were twenty-two to six for Vegas, and it's just they're unloading on the Stars, and it's just such a def- uh, tight defensive effort by them that there's no way they're scoring, even stars, though they're putting up uh, triple the amount of shots as the other team. The Stars put themselves within five wins of the Stanley Cup with a twenty-shot performance. <laughs> like for, for for any of the youngins who are watching this. Uh, who are like, I, you know, what, what do you mean dead puck era? What was that like? I, there was a game I talked about in my book between the Leafs and Blues, and I was talking about Grant Fuhrer, and in my mind, I was at the game, and as a kid, I thought he was standing on his head. And I went back and looked, and I think he, f- he faced 22 shots, which was amazing because the Leafs goalie that night, Glenn Healy, faced 17. Wow. <laughs> Which is basically oh. Oh. but I remember it being an exciting game. But okay. I, I, I guess just your Your bar for performance at that age is a little lower. Yeah, yeah there were goals and my team <laughs> and you were won. there. You were and I was there. there. And it was the yeah. closest I had ever sat. Hooray! Oh, it was it was a lot of fun, but man, twenty shots. Twenty yep. shots. Yep. Cool. This is, this is Feel the, the excitement. I, I wonder, you know, we, we've, we've wondered for a long time because the goals in the NHL are up and up and up. And I, it's just a matter of time before there's that next defensive revolution that slows it all back down again. And then they'll have to change the rules one more time. It's a copycat I, league. If copycat Dallas league. wins the cup, if Dallas beats Tampa, then I think we're going to see a serious shift change this offseason to see how teams play. Because that's the best offensive team losing to the best defensive team. If it's Dallas Islanders, <laughs> it won't matter. Yeah, screw it that. It won't wow. matter. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, we're going to get to the Islanders-Tampa ga- Tampa Bay game in a second, but I wanted to make some extra room for this, guys. Was Tony. Tony, the team tiger of Frosted Flakes fame. Offside. Let's get to it. Steve's great. Feelings mutual, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> now, I feel like Tony stepping in and saying Steve's great is trying to sway the judgment panel here. Jesse, you have brought up a few tweets. I, like we gotta, we're trying to stay unbiased here. Mm-hmm. There were, I'm actually shocked, and it's amazing how many people went in-depth with Tony and whether he was offside. And to give you an idea of the play, Tony is crossing the blue line. His defensive partner, or sorry, offensive partner, passes it to him, and Tony passes it back. So there's a couple places where they could have gone offside. The first one 
is the first pass to Tony, who is, you know, the puck is being head man to him. But then Tony does the back pass. And the question is, is his teammate over the blue line in time? It's questionable. There was a lot of debate online about it. I got DMs about it. I got mentions right up until this morning about it. Somebody even drew their own blue line because they said it wasn't clear enough in the commercial footage where the blue line was. Wow. And I had to look at the blue line on the boards just to see it. Like, we're talking passion here. That's extra. That's so, extra. I love Producer it. Jesse, how do you want to handle this? <sighs> I don't know. Do you want me to give my opinion on the well, situation? Do, do we want to bring up some of these tweets? Can you bring yeah, them up? I can, I can read tweets. I can't, I can't show you them on the screen. They'll be sure. on the screen for the viewer, but you won't be able to see them. Let's hear from what you said first, and then we'll get to Steve, Jesse, and myself. Mm-hmm. I say that Tony is onside, but Whoa. it comes with a caveat. Whoa. There's a moment in the commercial where you lose the puck behind Tony's stick. And at that moment, you can say that if the original call on the ice was offside and the ref was stopped the play at that moment and called offside, I think there is cause there to say that the replay is inconclusive because if that's the only angle that's available, then you can say we lost the puck, we can't make a definitive decision, it is offside. But since the play on the ice was called onside, I think that the evidence provided will cause the ref to um, confirm his call on the ice. Okay. So I think the play, whatever the call on the ice was, is what the result would be because the video evidence is inconclusive. So the fact that the uh, on-ice call was onside, then he is onside. Okay. Before we get to meet myself <laughs> and Steve, let's hear some tweets. Some tweets. So uh, Blades500, after review... With line and puck recreation, I can tell 100% that Tony is exactly what Steve's back would be should he visit that doctor, not offside. (laughs) (laughs) It was a reach, but we'll take it. (laughs) Steve's not happy about that. He's very pissed off about that. Look at him. Look at him. He's not even laughing. (laughs) That that was a personal shot across the bow of Steve. He's not happy. (laughs) Pond whistle said, not offside. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, blackout 003, Tony was offside, hashtag, so there's a vote for offside. Uh, Gerard Broussel says, Tony wasn't offside. The puck is in the zone before he enters, and no one is coming out of the zone. Doesn't matter if his stick is in the air. You are having a brain fart. So thank you for the shot. You didn't have to say that at the end. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why are we turning this into insults? Here? I know. You don't have to insult us. Just... We're reviewing a pair, a, a play here. Come, come on. on. Come on. Um, Fiddlestick89. I think I might have to come out of my YouTube retirement to defend Tony. <laughs> we'll sleep on it. Uh, William McAvoy. That is absolutely an offside. Oh, damn. The controversy. Uh, Mike Kennedy. Tony isn't offside. Uh, Jonathan Clement, very, very clearly on sides due to the angles we have here. The puck crosses the line and Tony then enters the zone. The dropback pass was my concern, but as you can see, the player crosses the line and keeps the puck in the zone. We have a good goal. So there's, those are some of the tweets from people weighing. Listen, I think, I think it's extremely hard to teach a tiger how to skate. <laughs> but you know what's harder? 
What's that? Teaching them hockey sense. <laughs> and Tony waited. Tony waited. I think the reason we thought it was close is because we thought he was gonna he was gonna sling maybe a sauce pass over there. We we thought he was gonna pass before he did. But that tiger came across with confidence, closed his eyes, and he had this little slap pass that allowed him to hold the puck for that extra second till his slow teammate that couldn't keep up with the speed of a tiger caught up to him, hits him on the tape. I'm not actually sure if his stick was taped. It looked like he had one of those weird blades with the holes in it. You oh, yeah. See those? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what, it, that's what it looked like. Like the road hockey one for, for I don't know what that's for. It's, it's for looks dope, bruh. Okay. All right. That's what it's for. It's for looks dope, bruh. And tell you what. It's an excellent pass from Tony, excellent shot from his teammate, and excellent work from the cameraman because True. the camera cuts to show his teammate's shot, and I swear he's in the exact spot you would think. It's so, like it was shot with a TriCaster. It was shot in real time. Steve, you're focused on the pass to the teammate, so you were worried most about the teammate being offside and the puck leaving the zone after Tony entered with it. So I have this condition called pessimism so tony had to pass the puck backwards Mm -hmm. and i whenever there was an offside controversy and i see the puck go backwards i assume it's offside that's just how my brain is wired i'm damaged i've seen too many austin matthews goals come back true true and after watching this one ladies and gentlemen it's clear tony the tiger Give him that primary assist. That's a, that's a good goal. That apple. That's a sick apple. Give him it, that we apple learned draft. today that tigers eat apples. That's <laughs> what we learned. Lunch and dinner. Yeah. Or they eat uh, frosted flakes. Oh yeah, that's it. Classic Jeff Merrick thing. He's always like, I hate. He hates when the refs get on and say it's a good goal. Just once, he wants them to come on. That goal was all right. It's a good point. That goal kind of sucked. <laughs> but it's a goal. Florida <laughs> goal. All right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to agree with the two of you. As much as I thought going into this that Tony was offside, if I were to say one thing, and Steve makes a good point, it's extremely hard to teach a Tiger to play hockey, to even teach them to skate at that level, to, to put a helmet on. I'm, in, I'm impressed. But and one to, thing that to Tony's speak and, and to walk all on the two things. legs. It's an impressive, Tony's an impressive tiger. But I do want to throw out there that Tony is looking at his pass as he sends it over back to his teammate who passed it to him in the first place. And I just want to caution Tony, even though he's one of the bigger players on the ice, that if he runs into the wrong shoulder, that could be an issue. And it's, it's all looking to the side like that for too long is almost as bad as looking at the puck when you have it. So I would say, Tony, eyes on the prize. Do that. You got to work on that no-look pass. You've gotten this far. You learned to skate. You learned to shoot. You learned to put on your own jersey. As a Tiger, I believe that you can learn the no-look pass. As much as it was a beautiful play, just be careful, Tony. We want your career to be as long as humanly possible. Or Tiger. That calls for some frosted flakes. Sure does. Well, well, Adam, I, I just I have to counter that with you can't teach size, and the average Bengal tiger is four hundred to five hundred and seventy pounds. <laughs> I don't know if he's a Bengal tiger, but 
Well, actually, what be. it says on Wikipedia is 397 to 569 pounds. So he's two Zdeno Charis. At, at least. Oh, what is he in height? So I just Googled how tall is Tony the Tiger. Okay. So it says Tony the Tiger is a giant among cereal mascots. According to a tweet from the official Frosted Flakes Twitter account, he stands at a whopping seven feet tall. <laughs> seven feet tall and 500 pounds. You can't oh teach he's, that. He's 303 pounds, seven <laughs> feet tall. His age is unknown. His occupation is advertiser. Ah, uh, I would say <laughs> and playmaker athlete. and playmaker teammate. And playmaker. Okay, all right. Well, Apple maybe he orchard. Maybe he's so big he doesn't have to worry about turning his head to the side. I just want him to be careful. That's all I'm saying. You know, sometimes Goliath gets it too. Just is it mauling up. a two or a five? <laughs> I don't know. But let's actually get to uh, Sally of the week, Steve. Who do you give it to? Oh my goodness. Okay, I gotta give it to. I, I talked about this player. Uh, earlier on in the show. Uh, it's his goal. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily his silly. Okay. Uh, Joe Pavelski, a guy who scored the game-winning goal in game four, mm-hmm. and a guy who I, I just looked at that signing and I went, boy, that's a lot of money and a lot of years for a guy who's kind of busted and old. And look at him. I didn't think he had the most solid regular season. It was all right. Holy smokes, is he coming through in these playoffs? And it was the most Dallas Stars goal ever. Just this, this, this floater, weird, barely meant to do it backhander that he just sort of chucked on net. But what I loved about it is it was a scrappy goal. It was from a breakup. It was defense in the offensive zone. And who was the player who got the primary assist on that goal? Who was the player who broke it up? Wiley veteran Andrew Cogliano getting his first point of these playoffs. That guy was a healthy scratch to Joel Frosted Kiwi Ranta. <laughs> and now he's in the lineup. And it doesn't matter if if he was a healthy scratch, doesn't matter if he doesn't if he didn't have a point in the previous 15 games. Here he is helping to set up the game winner to put the stars within five wins of the Stanley Cup. Wow. Yeah. That's a serial selly. And a coach that has only coached them for, what, three, four weeks? <laughs> Somehow, uh, well, I guess it was a couple months before the lockdown, but really not long. Uh, Rick Bonus has not only earned this job, they've, they've already told him it's his if he wants it next season, but yeah. he's had to make tough lineup decisions like scratching Andrew Cogliano, who famous Ironman streak and just one of the, one of the better middle, middle centers in, you know, in recent memory. I think it was right. for game seven as well. Yeah. 100%. He's, he's made the tough decisions. Cogliano was the right choice, and they're in. And that is our Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. Uh, uh, it's game time. League. Don't flake on the Frosted. <laughs> yeah, there's that. <laughs> or the words. Don't Kellogg's Frosted words. Flakes, Selly of the Week. I could not spit it out. Um, so Jean-Gabriel Peugeot what about saved him? the aisle season in game three. Saved it. Saved it. Saved it. Saved it. So, like, here's the thing. You, you get J.G. Pajot because you want him as a second or third line center who can get you 40 or 50 points but is defensively pretty awesome. Um, scrappy. He got into scrappy. a fight in his first Islanders game. Which he, he knows I, what the fans want. Bingo. And they stick him between uh, uh, Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin in Casey Zekas' spot when Casey couldn't play in game three. And they come out and they do really, really well. 
Matt Martin has, I think, five playoff goals. Uh, Is it that many? Yeah. He got his first playoff assist. Let, let me check it out. Holy shit. This guy has got five goals, one assist. In wow. his previous 57... No, 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 no. Sorry. Wait. That can't be right. Heading into these playoffs, he had one playoff goal. Am I reading this correctly? Yeah, I know. You're correct. He had two playoff points, and one of them was the secondary assist on the Kapanen double OT winner against the Caps. With Boyle. Are you actually joking? <laughs> no, he had, uh, he had four playoff points. How is that possible? He had two assists in 16-17. He had one assist in 14-15, and he had one goal in 12-13. This guy – oh, am I – I think I was looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. The thing that stands out to me is for these playoffs, the 26 penalty minutes. And he beat the brakes off Barkley Goodrow. Dude, guy's a playoff performer. You know, I was so I was talking to someone about this. If you look at Matt Martin, so we we – we celebrated when Matt Martin was taken out of the lineup with the Leafs. We did. Um, because it allowed them to be more the Leafs um, mm -hmm. or go more with a certain identity. When I look at Matt Martin and how he's doing with the Islanders, mm -hmm. and I look at Matt Martin and how he played with the Islanders before he was a Leaf. Yep. Mike Babcock you know, we give, him, we give him grief for not using certain players properly. He didn't use Matt Martin properly. Now, how do you, how do you figure? And I'm sorry, I was looking at a tweet, which is why you heard something go off. But how, why do you feel like that's the case? Because the guy is not a total bum. Like, you throw the numbers out with Matt Martin, all right? Like, we, we know the sort of player he is. He's, he's not going to have good possession numbers. He's a guy who bangs. He crashes. He fights. But with the Islanders, he was consistently, like, at least a goal-scoring threat. With the Isles, he had five, seven, four, eight, eight, ten. He had eight, eight, and ten leading into his tenure with the Leafs. Then he only has five and three, and they throw him in the garbage. And all of a sudden with the Islanders, he has six, but that was in 67 games and five, and that was in 55 games. So, listen, like, like that's not a huge difference, but we're talking about, you know, with the, with the Leafs this year, their fourth-line production let them down or their depth production let them down. He can be a depth producer. Now, for $2.5 million, he had to get off this team. Mm-hmm but he's on the New York Islanders who are spending a fortune on their third and fourth line, and it's working for them. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting I to see a guy who was cast off by a team that didn't make the playoffs succeed on a team that might head to the Stanley Cup Finals. I think they had a role for him. The Leafs did not have a role. He wasn't a part of the plan. And, and, and with, with, you know, with Lou bringing him in, I think the thought was protect the younger players uh, and show them – good attitude and good hockey sense and stuff. And the Leafs, you know, at that point, their leadership group wasn't great. Like, you know, Nazem Kadri had just come off a season where, you know, he had redeemed himself after what had been a pretty, you know, he'd been suspended by the team, right? Yeah, he wasn't um, current Nas. J, J, exactly. JVR, he was becoming current Nas, which was great. JVR, while a good guy and a good player, wasn't, known as like a big time leader he was wore the a sometimes morgan riley wasn't morgan riley yet still quite young 
Um, you know, you got to remember Bozak. things in that context. Bozak, you know, these are these are guys that wore A's and like Leo Komarov was there, but there was no like alpha on the team. Best player wearing a, wearing a letter like there is now. There's several players on this team that you go, okay, well, you know, there's that's got to be one of the leaders based on their play and based on how they are, starting with Tavares. Um, Matt Martin was, been, was, was in to fill that gap a little bit. I and mean, I think the Leafs definitely overpaid and knew that they were. Um, and, you know, the, the friendship he developed with Mitch Marner. Steve, you talk about players all the time being put in their happy places. Was Mitch Marner ever happier than that first season in the NHL? I mean, in front of the cameras anyway. We found yeah. out some stories after the fact. Yes. But, like, he, he sure looked like he was, he was having a lot of fun. And he was thrown on the fourth line with Matt Martin. And then I think they both had four-point games. <laughs> something, something ridiculous like that. Um, and, you know, that was a – there are contracts. There are bad contracts that you sign knowing that they're bad, but they have a purpose. Mm-hmm. Matt Martin's made sense. And, like, from day one, people were like, he's never going to play – all four years with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He signed 2.5 times four. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, what, what, what did it cost to get rid of Matt Martin? Almost nothing. Literally nothing. They acquired uh, the Islanders' like fifth or sixth goalie. Mm-hmm. Uh, barely used him. Sometimes he played uh, with the Marlies. I Eamon think his Mc- name was Eamon McAdam. Eamon McAdam, yeah. Uh, I don't Whatever. Uh, Marlowe cost a first-round pick. Cost the 13th overall pick. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, you could say the Leafs made the playoffs the very day they signed Patrick Marlowe. Okay, fine. For one year and for two. Didn't result in anything. Anyway, yada, yada, yada. The Matt Martin contract, while ridiculous at the time, served its purpose. And I just don't, I don't really feel like the Leafs did right by him. I'm not convinced. Well, you know, in, in retrospect, it kind of looks that way. Um, but, you know, I, I, don't, I think in Mike Babcock's entire tenure in Toronto, he never had a fourth line he was happy with. And I think oh. at a certain point, it's got to come down to Mike. Um, it, it, it's, it was almost like he kept looking for the Detroit fourth line that he wanted so badly. And, you know, there was the, you know, apparent, there was the deadline where the Leafs almost gave up a second-round pick for Luke Lendenning because Mike liked him so much. And, you know, that's the – he kept looking for that guy and that guy wasn't there that's, and that's it was Selkie, always a struggle. That's Selkie vote getter, Luke Glendening. I'll have, you know, well, did you see it, that? It cost them. Yeah. I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> Some it, people, yeah. The Red Wings with 17 wins. We're going to give their like third or fourth line center a Selkie vote. Who the nice. Who cast that? Yeah. <laughs> I think it, of, I think of like the Placanics deal where you send a second round pick and, two guys just to bring in him to play on the lower six, you know, like I think of those things and that's how I think of the Babcock era and the Boyle and the Boyle trade too, another second round pick. Yep. However, Thomas Placanitz in that series was one of the best Leafs <laughs> as weird as it is to say so Marlo. Marlo was great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like they were, t- Placanitz was terrible when he, when he came, like those first 14 games that he played in the regular season were awful. He was homesick. He was, he was, he was homesick, but boy, was he good in the playoffs. <laughs> but was it worth to lose a second in Renato no. No. Reichel for 14 games and then half or kind of a first round series? You know? It should have been Kirby Reichel and Renat Valley have a no second round pick. That would have been <laughs> yeah. a fair trade because he didn't then, even play the next year. He played like half a year. Yeah. And then Placanis go back to Montreal and then is out of the league. Well, you know, and then you spend all the, all those assets on that. It doesn't seem worth it in hindsight. 
so this this was the Islanders trade deadline, and Lou Lamorello just won the Jim Ger- uh, Gregory Award as uh, GM of the year. Here are their last. So Matt Martin was actually their fourth most recent trade. He went like he went almost two years without a trade. That's weird. Uh, Dave Quenville and a second round pick for Andy Green. Uh, they got Pajot for a 2020 conditional first, a 2020 second, and a 2022 conditional third. Mm-hmm. And then there was a really tiny trade with the Leafs that was in the minors. So all those picks given up for Andy Green and Pajot, if the Islanders go out in the qualifier or in round one, Islanders fans are calling for Lou's head. <laughs> you know what I mean? But here they mm-hmm. are. Yeah. Well, it, it's odd to me that, like after the trade deadline, because all of this voting was supposed to have taken place um, uh, before, the end, before, the, before the end of the regular season, would anybody have called, like not that the Peugeot trade wasn't good, it was, but was anybody at the trade line, deadline going, man, the Islanders really won today? Yeah, did we get confirmation on when the voting took place? I don't think we did, but I think okay. it certainly doesn't seem... It doesn't seem on the level. <laughs> here let me because uh, if I remember correct the Islanders were awful heading into the playoffs yeah uh, there was oh that's helpful NHL.com they don't have bloody wins and losses just the score just the score thanks thanks for that what do you mean there was sorry it wasn't displaying oh fuck it <laughs> now it's now I'm just clicking all over the place. <laughs> What's going right, on? Okay, so what do you? I think for? it was a glitch. I was a glitch with my computer. Sorry. Okay. Okay. So heading into the deadline, they lost in the shootout to Vancouver. They lost in overtime to Carolina. They lost to the Islanders. They lost six wow. two to the Habs. Uh, they lost four nothing to the Bruins. They lost three two in overtime to the Blues. They lost four three in overtime to the Rangers. And they beat the Sharks 4-1. How many consecutive – there were seven consecutive losses heading into the trade deadline. Did I read that correctly? (laughs) Holy shit. And Lou rewarded them by spending the world of picks. Dude, if I was an Islanders fan, I'd feel pretty good right now because my team's in the third round and they just won game uh, three. If if they were out in the first round of the qualifier, they'd want his head on a pike. That's horrible. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> when when did the voting? I'm really concerned about when the voting took place for this one because it seems odd to me. Yeah. And and I mean, if you were gonna give it to Lou Lamorello, I would have given it to him last season. At that point, it's like, whoa, what a turnaround, right? The post Tavares year, and they did really well, and they won the division, and uh, against all odds, and you know, Robin Leonard comes out of nowhere, and like that. That to me is like, okay, I can I could see a GM of the year award then, but this year isn't. It's an odd pick. It's an odd pick. <laughs> What was their record in 2020? Their February record is awful. Their January record is awful. How are they here? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, Lou. I swear this guy just, like, scares his team into performing. Probably. It's annoying. Probably. I could see that. So, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. There were we, – we talked about momentum heading into the stoppage. One of the worst teams in the NHL at the time – the league stopped was the New York Islanders. And here they are in the Eastern Conference Final. Yeah, they were below the Blue Jackets, Hurricanes, Penguins, Flyers, and Caps in the Metro. Yeah, dude. They were barely – they're one point ahead of the Rangers. That wow. Pajot trade, man, it did change a lot of things for them. He's been amazing. He really has. Oh, 
And you know what? Let's also talk about Josh Bailey for a second, who is about to break playoff records with the amount of assists he's had. He's at 16 now. Like, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, like it's crazy. Uh, It's very, very low key kind of like, not that Josh Bailey isn't one of the better players on the team, but you're not going into the playoffs going, yeah, Josh Bailey's going to go double digits in assists before the Stanley Cup final. He's got 19 points in 19 games. 17 of them are assists. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. So good for him. Um, moving on. Uh, Nathan McKinnon wins the Lady Bing, of course. which we, I guess, any, any award associated with his name, I think, this year is probably going to him. We did talk about that. Ought to be. Uh, and the Lady Bing, of course, is for sportsmanlike conduct and um, high playing ability. It, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't matter because it's the Lady Bing and we shouldn't spend a moment arguing on it. Uh-oh. Nathan McKinnon got uh, 64 first place votes and won the Lady Bing. Mm-hmm. Matthews finished in second with 21 first place votes. Ryan O'Reilly had 10 first place votes. In fourth place, Jacob Slavin with 31. The dude got robbed. <laughs> it's like everyone who saw him play voted him first place, and everyone who was like, who's the hell's Jacob Slavin left them off their ballot. Why? Okay, so if he has 31 first place votes. Shouldn't he have finished second? Nope. In voting? No, because there, I think it's, I want to say it's five points for a first place vote, four for a second, three for a third, uh, two for a fourth. How My about, brain short circuited. How about this crazy idea? Why don't you just vote it? on who you think should win? And then all votes are one. They just count as one vote, and then the guy who has the most votes wins. Yeah, and I mean, the guy with the second amount of votes is in second. Why is that so difficult? We're arguing about who should have been the runner-up for the Lady Bing. Like, (laughs) like, I'm upset at this stupid voting process. It is dumb. And he wasn't even on the ballot because of it. He wasn't even on the uh, well, not on the ballot. He wasn't even on the. He wasn't nominated. Yeah. Because of it, the guy had 31. Matthews finished second with 21. He was the second highest guy with 21. The more people thought Slavin should have won the trophy than Matthews. Uh, uh, yeah, like significantly more. That's right. <laughs> okay. I'm the, okay. <laughs> also, um, I'm a big Slavin guy, so uh, I am all aboard that train. Uh, He's I, a defenseman. I, I know. It's hard to put up the points he did with the penalty minutes he did as a defenseman. And I think just nothing. I don't know how he's not going to win the Norris Trophy in the next couple of years. I just don't know. Or the Lady Bing. Maybe people should tune into the friggin' Hurricanes. Jeez. Yeah. Well, they should have. They should have been already. They're one of the more exciting teams in the league to watch. They're actually fun. You know, unlike oh. a couple of teams still left in the playoffs. Um, Canadians acquire the rights to Joel Edmondson for a fifth round pick in an attempt to sign him before he goes to free agency. And that is from the Carolina Hurricanes. And we knew Carolina was probably going to have to lose some sort of defenseman. And of all the guys you're going to probably lose, he's the guy that maybe hurts the least. Yeah. However, I got to ask the question. Mike Stevens brought this up on Twitter. Um, That's Mikey Stevens 81, not by Mike Stevens. There's two Mike Stevenses. One of these days, we're going to have to have a fight between the two of them to decide which Mike Stevens rules overall. But... Um, I do need to ask, is, is it smart to spend a fifth round pick even on a guy that's going to unrestricted free agency? I'm going to say yes. Okay. I'm going to go against, I'm going to go against the grain. 
because we, we, I looked at the Montreal Canadiens and went, what the hell are you doing? You have all this cap room. You have all these picks. The Montreal Canadiens have their own first, their own second, Chicago second, St. Louis is second, their own third, their own fourth, the Ducks fourth, the Jets fourth, and then it's their pick. And they still have the Panthers pick in the fifth round. And actually, because of the way the playoffs went, I think the Panthers pick might actually be lower. They, they don't need this bloody fifth rounder. And the uh, Habs have the hardest time signing free agents. Joel Edmondson had a terrible season this past year, but like he's proven to be a serviceable defenseman and they need more defense in Montreal. So in terms of dumb ways to spend your picks, even if Edmondson doesn't stick around in Montreal, they're not going to miss that pick. They have a hard enough time signing guys. If this helps them sign a player that they've identified as good, good for Mark Bergman. You wouldn't have tried to make it conditional on uh, him resigning. I would have tried. And if I were, uh, Don Waddell, I would have said no. <laughs> and we all know how good Steve is at negotiating. He is. Oh, he's, you know what? He's top. Car. <laughs> and that's what Joel Edmondson is, by the way. <laughs> what? The Steve An extra dollar? dollar. <laughs> he's a dollar. No, but like, if you're Don Waddell, hey, make this conditional. So wait, if we don't get him, then I don't get a pick? Yes. No. Do you want him or not? <laughs> Do you want him or not? Yeah. I would have made the condition, okay, if you don't get him, then it's the seventh. <laughs> we still get something. There's Steve with his steely negotiation tactics. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good point. Balls I, of steel, Steve uh, Angle. I, I, I think uh, <laughs> always be steving. Um, I, <laughs> I think, uh, I think uh, you know, if because it's going to be a weird year. So if you yes. look at like, like the Canucks or something, right? And, and there were some people that mentioned this on Twitter yesterday. I think it was third period uh, Suits had it um, with a tweet. He's like, hey, do you think we can talk to Vancouver about trading Tyson Berry's rights? Because he's not coming back to Toronto. Why not? Why not? Well, the question is, can Vancouver afford him yet? It's a good point. I just want to know which one of the final four, which one of the GMs of the final four teams cried and shit their pants because Joel Edmondson <laughs> got traded. I just want to know you which one what? of the GMs of the final four teams cried and shit their pants because the Minnesota Wild got Nick Bugstad and Jim Rutherford didn't call them again. I just want to know. How dare he? I just, no, but it's Dubis. Dubis didn't call. Shut up. It's like people are just looking for excuses to complain about Kyle Dubas. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, some of the GMs of the final eight teams back in the previous round cried and shit their pants because uh, Kyle Dubas traded Kasperi Kapanen without calling them. And then Jim Rutherford went and made another deal. Nothing. I didn't hear anything. If I'm Nick Bugstad, I'd feel insulted. What, because I suck? Why aren't you guys making a fuss out of this? <laughs> Should be making a fuss. Would it, wouldn't have anything to do with there's only three weeks before the draft in an unprecedented time in our human history. Would, it, would, it, would that have something to do with it? Sorry, bitter. It's always about the Leafs. It is always about the Leafs. There's no question about that. Oh, and I was thinking. I had a long, long car drive, and I was thinking. You know how Steve Simmons is always like a scout? 
Yep. You know, I was speaking to a scout. I was speaking to a scout. Mark Hunter is a scout. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's Mark Hunter. He's just shitting on the leaves. You think? Yeah. I don't know if I should tell this story. <gasps> oh, 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 no. What are you going to do? What are you going to say? Uh, now you have to say it. I heard Mark Hunter changed the London Knights Wi-Fi password, the Leafs blow. <laughs> Did you actually? Yes. What kind of TMZ shit is this, man? Are you serious? I trust my source. Really? Yes. The Leafs blow. Yes. <laughs> is that the that is that no. the password? It, well, it was. Or is so that the Wi-Fi want, name? If you want, if you want Wi-Fi at whatever that building's called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Try leaves blow. It might work. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> that would be really funny. <laughs> it was. I don't know if it still is. Yeah, that's got to be. That's got to be was. changed by now. At, so Budweiser Gardens in yeah. London, Ontario. Go stand if outside I, of it. If I go to Budweiser Gardens <laughs> and I try and connect to the London Knights. Uh, Wi-Fi. I should try and Leafs I, Blow first. And I type in Leafs Blow in lowercase. Leafs I Blow or connect. Blow Leafs Blow is one of those. Blow. <laughs> All right. That's it's it's so it's so bad and so petty that like you can't see how that could be possible, right? Like you know. Now, does the GM of the hockey team set the Wi-Fi password? No. I don't know, but I'm just telling you that was at one point their Wi-Fi password. Allegedly or actually? Actually. Wow. Are you sure? Yeah. You're 100%. Well, I, I didn't friggin' go there and type it in myself. Okay, Adam. all right. Just clear because we you don't want to get called on the carpet for this one, Steve. So the, the alleged what? password. The all alleged right. Password Breaking news. The alleged password, I was told, is leaves blow. I, I have, heard, leaves I have heard that in those parts, we are not well-liked as well. We'll put it that way. That is something I've, heard, I've heard. heard in my basement that I don't care. <laughs> as he sips his tim horton's coffee now um katie strang frank cervalli several other people um reported on this i'm gonna read katie's tweet to you uh, according to multiple sources the arizona coyotes have been late on paying at least a few players on their contractually stipulated signing bonuses on time my understanding is these concerns have been resolved but it did raise some concerns now if that is the case, it's kind of scary because this was supposed to be, um, like, for instance, Oliver Ekman Larson was owed $4 million on September 1st. Apparently, that might have been late. COVID has affected a lot of businesses and a lot of business people. And, you know, when you buy a team at the top of the market, even though it's the Arizona Coyotes, and as far as NHL teams go, they're not one of the higher value teams. It's still, what do they cost? Three, four hundred million? It's not small. It's a lot of money. So if your business is affected by a global pandemic directly afterwards, it's going to make things difficult. However, when we're talking about three or four hundred million dollars and four million dollars, it puts things into perspective about how tight things might be. Right? If you could spend four hundred million dollars one year and next year paying a guy four million is an issue for you. Now, that could be a problem. Is 
is this one day Ekman Larson, I assume his accountant, I, I doubt he's doing his own online banking on his phone. I, I assume whoever manages Oliver Ekman Larson's money was surprised that the money was late. Because, listen, I've done some freelance. I've been paid pretty late. And I get it. I just appreciate the heads up. There's that, there's that hardcore uh, negotiating skill there, Adam. Right. I just appreciate knowing with the KHL, not only did they not let me know, but I had to inform them, actually, it's this much. Because capitalism. <laughs> actually, this is the amount of money that I'm owed. Um, listen, all I was thinking, because I assume we're, this is going to lead into the Frank Saravalli article, mm-hmm. where I think it was as many as 17 teams, up to 17 NHL teams, um, have had to roll back payroll. I tell you what, it's COVID, it's unprecedented times, and it sh- does not shock me in the slightest to hear these stories. What is going to make me extremely mad and should make everyone extremely mad is hearing these stories, and then teams are going to go out and spend a shitload of money in three weeks. Because that's exactly what happened in 2012, but in reverse. They couldn't, teams were ripping the pockets out of their pants, throwing money at everybody during that free agency. You mean the Minnesota Wild, uh, in particular, spent two Connor McDavid's on Ryan Suter and Zach Parise, and they're like at the halfway mark of their contract now. Evander Kane got his huge deal. Tyler Sagan got his huge deal. A ton of people got huge deals summer of 2012. And then all of a sudden the NHLPA goes, here's our demands. And all the teams go, we're poor. We can't afford it. So imagine you're one of these people. You've been asked to roll back your salary. You're only making 80%, 70%, 60%. In some cases, 40%, I think I saw. And then they're going to go out and spend three mil on a third pair of defensemen. It's going to be pretty angering. It's going to be pretty angering. Would you want to keep working for that team? Oh, well, it would be tough. So let me, let me start this uh, Frank Saravalli article off. Uh, we'll just, it's, a good, uh, it's a good start. He says, winter is coming, more specifically, with no meaningful revenue incoming since mid-March and none on the immediate horizon. Hockey's long winter is approaching amid uncertainties surrounding the 2021 NHL season. Meetings to slash expenditures, reduce payroll, and set internal hockey operation budgets below the salary cap limit have been made, uh, sorry, have been ongoing for most of the 27 teams in off-season mode. Six of the seven Canadian clubs have reduced pay of staff members, including team presidents, general managers, and coaches. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are the lone club to not reduce pay to, uh, to staff uh, to date. Uh, in all, at least 17 clubs have reduced pay to hockey ops staff and department staff members. After seeing their pay reduced by 50%, Nearly twice, nearly more than twice the next highest reduction in the league. The Ottawa Senators coaching staff appealed to the NHL for relief. With the NHL's oh, involvement, rid of that guy. Senators Jesus. coaches were recently reinstated to full pay retroactive to July 13th, the opening date of training camp before the league returned to play in Edmonton and Toronto. He's got to be gone so bad. Employees from the league's head office have been working in the Toronto and Edmonton bubbles at a 25% pay reduction. 
Even big market clubs like Boston and Chicago have taken measures to reduce expenses. The Bruins have requested their Jack Adams award-winning coaching staff to forego playoff bonuses to avoid hockey ops salary cups. Cut, excuse me. In June, the Blackhawks instituted a tiered staff reduction starting at 20% for employees earning more than 200000 while eliminating bonuses. The Buffalo Sabres are the only coaching staff to reject a request for voluntary pay reduction. Sources indicated the Sabres staff had, paid, uh, had a pay re- reduction of 20% from April 1st to July 13th, at which point they turned down a subsequent request for a 25% reduction. Almost universally, NHL coaches high up in the front office food chain accepted the reductions without complaint because doing so meant layoffs would not be necessary for other ops positions, including scouts and analysts. But the Sabres were already operating with a lean staff after 22 people were fired by the club. You remember that in June 16, that began with Jason Botterill. Teams had leverage with the force majeure or majeure. I hope I said that right. Clauses in contracts but were not applicable once training camps began and the league uh, as a whole uh, play in the league was no longer suspended. So it's different. So basically just right there, you have, like, can you imagine you're the coach of the Ottawa Senators? You're, I mean, um, why can't I remember his name? Uh, Oh my God, why can't I remember his name? He was the Leafs defensive coach for years. And why can't I? DJ Smith. DJ Smith. Holy, sorry. They haven't been around for a while. So you're the head coach. You're finally the head coach in the NHL. You do a really good job, and 50% of your salary is gone. Melnick's got to go so bad. so And you know what? Okay, can, can I dummy down what the Sabres did and make sure I understand? Yep. So a bunch of coaching staffs around the league said, listen, we'll take the pay cut no problem so long as you don't lay off other members of this team like scouts and analysts. The Sabres coaching staff said, fuck off with all that because you already fired everybody. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Good for them. Good for them. I mean, they got rid of a lot of folks. Sources say the Sabres are considering an internal cap of of 70 million. Uh, Arizona, uh, who recently failed to make on-time signing bonus payments to a number of players, may be operating just south of 70 million. Pittsburgh Penguins are reportedly planning to budget in the low to mid $70 million range. Around the league from Florida to Vancouver, GMs are discussing with, discussing with ownership, seeking spending latitude. There will be opportunities to acquire talented players from teams who can no longer afford them, either on an internal budget or with a frozen salary cap. So here's the thing. Uh, Anaheim Ducks had a 20%. Well, so he, went, he goes through every team and who had to – you got to see this article. It's on TSN.ch. It's yeah. crazy. I won't go through the whole thing. Yeah. But, so, so as to not read the whole thing. But, but, you know, if you're, if you're a Toronto fan, this is, this could be the saving grace. Dude, Fre- on the Freddie fronts, we keep talking about a Freddie trade and why would the Leafs do that? And I was reading an article today. can't remember if it was the Athletic or Sportsnet. I think it was Sportsnet. Mm-hmm. They said, uh, what do the Leafs want in return for Freddie? And the answer was something useful. <laughs> something useful? They better charge a fortune because that is at least a league average starter. It's mm-hmm. a 50 to 60 game starter. And if the Leafs pay his $4 million signing bonus and he's only got $1 million left, they better charge a damn fortune for him because that's extremely valuable. It might come down to 
the Leafs trade Freddie and get a bunch of things for him, and in exchange they get a goalie, same quality, same money, but they can actually pay him. Well, it the Leafs me, are the bank. They're the bank. It makes me wonder about Matt Murray. Well, let's look at his. Because if, if Pittsburgh's trying to shed salary, obviously we know Matt Murray's not going to be back. Well, they gave but away they, Duke Stafford nothing. Right. And they would want, I mean, they do want a good goalie with Tristan Jari, do they not? If Freddie's, is, is Freddie, is Freddie's contract bonus laden? Yeah, it's $4 million and then $1 million base. So if the Leafs were to pay the $4 million signing bonus. Which they would. It would just be a million bucks. A million bucks for Frederick Anderson. That, that somebody was in my DMs last night asking about a particular defenseman on a particular team, which I won't name because people get distracted by it. But they said if, and it was it was it wasn't Petrangelo, but they said if Freddie was available, do you think we could trade Freddie to this team for a player like this? And I said to him at the time, well, based on what I'm seeing, the goalie market is is flooded with talent, so probably not. And, and this defenseman that he mentioned is a good defenseman. And there are not a lot of great defensemen out there. But you have to wonder now if that sort of changed. Even, even with like a guy like Freddie, he's got to be a bit of a special case. If you can get league average goaltending for a million bucks next season, uh, that's pretty valuable. Especially yeah. if you're dealing, if you're one of those teams that's dealing from a position of strength with defensemen. And I'm looking at, I'm looking at the Penn's situation. I, I don't know what they do because Murray – there's no bonus. It's uh, just 3.75. RFA, though. RFA. Yeah. Uh, wait, is he an RFA? Oh, shoot. He yeah, is. So he's, he's an RFA, and so is Tristan Jari. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they both of their numbers are mystery bucks. <laughs> yeah, right so, now I see it playing out as Matt Murray is gone somewhere for whatever cheap assets they get back, and their tandem is uh, DeSmith and Jari. And yeah, DeSmith is pretty... You know, like that's probably what Pittsburgh's got to run with. And the cap. That's true. Um, I just keep... I don't know why people keep bringing up Chris Letang's name as a name that gets traded, but he's making seven and a half million. He's 33, deals up in a couple seasons, but still a productive enough player. You know, is that a guy where no matter what the salary is, they, they have to retain or they, you know, if, if Pittsburgh's really going to cut some salary, Latang makes a lot of sense, but who's going to take $7.5 million of Chris Latang? Who can afford it? Like if we're talking about the Leafs going after Petrangelo at nine and that's too much, like the Leafs don't have the money for that. So specifically the Leafs, it would be really tough. But as Steve said, they're the bank right now. Yeah. And I mean, sorry, I, we did transition to how does this affect the Leafs? Well, that's, the, that was the point. I did, I did plan for that. Right. Sorry. Okay. Well, never mind. I was going to say the crux of that article is that all these people are being asked to make sacrifices, and that is fucking terrible considering these teams are owned by bajillionaires. Mm-hmm. Um, it's complete bullshit. But um, yeah, you're going to see some wild, wacky shit. <laughs> you're going to see some crazy stuff you've never seen before uh, because these are crazily unprecedented times. And also, when did I miss uh, Sean Walker getting signed by the LA Kings? I was just on uh, last Cap night. Friendly. Last night. Well, damn. I think it was last night or the night before. Him? It was like a weird late night sort of thing. And instead of – so his contract might be a sign of things to come as well because what have you been seeing with all these contracts with term? You've been seeing them front-loaded um, to make them easier to trade later on. Uh, Sean Walker's is back-loaded because teams don't have any money right now. 
So he makes two, then 2.25, then three, then 3.35. I wonder if uh, the free agents this summer are going to look a lot like that. Jeez. Well, it certainly gives a team like the Leafs the edge when they don't, when it doesn't matter. Right. Like it's, yes. so yes. they can, they can still pay the insane bonus money. Uh, but maybe they say, Hey, if you can knock a couple million off, that'd be great. And we'll pay you insane amounts of money up front. How does this affect the Kraken who they don't need gate right now on account of, uh, they don't have any games. This well, is really like, I wonder like what, what sort of, what sort of position are they going to be in? We, we talk about how Vegas made out like bandits. Oof. Yeah. The Kraken, the Kraken ha- they draft after next season. Yeah. They're in a super weird position because they're not relying on any gate. Like teams are getting killed right now. What's the Kraken got to worry about? I'm sure there's some things. It's not the same. And by the 2021-22 season, I assume it'll be back to relatively normal. So they're going to be in a position where they didn't miss out on any revenue because they wouldn't have been generating any during this time period anyway. So should be normal business for the Kraken, which is going to be an advantage because you're going to have all these teams coming out of next season still missing debt. out on some money. Yeah. 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 And they're going to be just at zero where they would have been this entire time. Yeah. How many first round picks are they going to get just because a team's looking to offload a bad contract and they're going right. to say, please draft this player and we'll give you a first rounder for it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Penguins, it, it can't be emphasized enough. They gave away Nick Bugstad for free. Free. Like, overpaid? All right, maybe. But, like, that's a useful NHL player, and they gave him away for free. And then you got to think about things, uh, teams at the other end, too, like Arizona, like all, all the stuff we're, we were just talking about with Arizona. Who's ever going to want to play there? You know, oh. how screwed is that franchise from here on till forever? Because you just see, like, if anything goes wrong, like, it's going in the toilet. Those guys offered Matthew that. 16 million bucks. Oh, good thing he didn't take it. Did they actually? That was the rumor. Well, they couldn't have, though, because he never made it to RFA. No, no, sorry. They were right. Prepared. They were they preparing were to, to yeah. offer. It was 15 or 16 million bucks. Well, he wouldn't have got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he would have never seen the check. Always best to sign with an organization that you're fairly sure can pay your bill. Right. Uh, and- like, imagine OELs just like in his group chat with other NHL players and other teams, he's like, yeah, I just, I didn't get my bonus. Like, imagine what that does to your reputation as an organization around the league amongst the guys. Well, you could see now how he might want to waive the no trade clause, right? Or it's a no move clause. The, the question is, is, is OEL very good? And if you know, if you're in a, like, you have to kind of go in gloves off with this one. If you're a team with an advantage, you've got money like the Rangers do, uh, like the Leafs do. You have got the Rangers especially need to take advantage of this offseason because they've got some space, they've got all the money in the world, and they've got a team on the up. They have the Rangers to me are a team to watch this offseason. They they've got to be predatory about this. They've got to be like hunting uh, because you could potentially get some serious assets for very little uh, just because teams need to offload. I wonder with a guy like Oliver Ekman Larson, based on. You know, because he's not the 2017, 2018 Oliver Ekman Larson or what he was before that. But, you know, even now, like, does it even take a first-round pick to get a deal like that done because of the issues that they're going to have? And not only that, do you even have to take his full salary? 
Right. Because you could, you could potentially say to Arizona, A, he's not the player he was. B, um, you guys have financial troubles. C, I don't have to pay you a first-round pick for this. You need to get rid of him. And if I'm the Leafs, I mean, listen, he may not be the, the, the guy he was, but if you can get him at three and a half or four million bucks a season, probably worth it, right? So correct Who me if I'm wrong. Yeah, this, this is where I'm confused with the, the story about bonuses being late. So a free agency is October 9th. Yep. September 1st is when the bonuses were supposed to be paid. That's what they oh, said. Because okay. the, oh, okay. Because oh. obviously July 1st was when the bonuses were originally supposed to be paid. Nobody paid them um, because of the, the, the movement in the schedule. So that's why it was, it was moved to that date. Well, I tell you what, they better find a dance partner fast because then the following season, his base salary is $10.5 million. Yo, man, there's, there's a lot of teams that are with a capital F. What are, what are the Panthers going to do? Right. Panthers. Ownership is a funny thing, right? Because the Panthers and Coyotes, we've been led to believe that, oh, no, this ownership group at least has some money. With the Coyotes, I mean, we've already poked holes in that. Um, the Panthers is going to be extremely interesting, but, like, they never relied on Gate to begin with. No. So... I'm not even saying like that to. to be mean. I think they'd like to. Absolutely. <laughs> that's the goal. Um, you know, it's Imagine funny. being a first-year GM right now. Oh. Like Zito or Sullivan, who's in an interim role. It's a nightmare. Both those teams have first-year first, first year GMs. It's a nightmare, but I'd rather be a first-year GM in this role than a 30th-year GM in this role. And I'll tell you why. The 30-year GM has been in this role for a long time. Yes, they're confident, but the, whole, the, the rules that they've been living by for years have changed dramatically. At least if you're a first-year GM, you have an idea of sort of how things did work, and then you have the, the, probably the youth and creativity to go, we got to do something completely different this year based on the goals set by the franchise. It's, it's going to be – I mean, um, Chris Johnson came on this show last year after the season ended and said there will be bombs that go off in Toronto, and he was right. That Kadri trade was a big, big trade. But Oops. this year is going to be unprecedented. This is going to be crazy like the Vegas fantasy draft year. Really. Uh, it'll be bigger. It'll, it'll be bigger, I think. I think that, that was a, oh, we got to protect our assets. And it was all sorts of uh, talent evaluation errors and things like that. Not, ma- not many things speak like money. Yeah. And well, and, we know and with, 17 teams don't have it. With more and more rumors about Alex Petrangelo being upset with the Blues offers, because apparently he would go to nine and a half, what is it, nine or something like that? Um, you know, if this was a normal year, that's a, probably a $10 million contract if he hits the open market. Yes. But apparently the Blues are not willing to go above $8 million bucks. <laughs> Which sucks because, uh, wait, what are they giving Justin Falk that contract, man? Why did they do 6.5! Their right side, their right side on defense is is Falk making six point five, Pareko making five point five, and then Petrangelo. How'd you figure that out? Okay, seemed like an insurance policy, and I felt like they they probably felt like they could run it back, and why not boost it? I didn't get the contract extension for Falk at that much money. Yeah. And you got Bertuzzo, who's not even an everyday defenseman, making one uh, one million three seventy five. Yeah, Ooh, the Blues are. That's an interesting situation. The, the, the poor. 
I wonder what a website like Cap Friendly is going to do in a situation where, uh, like, the cap doesn't matter this year. You know, you keep looking, oh, this team's got space. This team doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if no one's spending to it. Mm-hmm. It's different when, like, the entire league is spending, like, to within $2 million of the cap. If no one's spending to it. I don't know. Like, what's – I feel like the more the more important number is the money. Oh, yeah. The internal cap. And getting a sense for each team of what their internal cap is. Yeah, because we're not going to be able to get that information. That's just going to be something they're going to hold on internally. Yeah, rumored, yeah. potential, rumblings of. We're going to hear a lot of that. Yep. But it's not going to be like it's not going to be like you have a definitive. This is what it is going to be situation, and every team is going to be different. I'm 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 genuinely curious. Uh, obviously, you have to be at this point to 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 see what the next three weeks are going to look like. Because not only are you going to have the Stanley Cup final, which is always it's always the Stanley Cup final. Like there's oh there's some magic to that. But after that, the explosion of like if I'm a poor team, if I'm a team that's that's financially hampered, and it doesn't matter how rich the owners are, like the Pagulas are just swimming in wealth. They have so much money. But you gotta remember that billionaires look at things differently. That's why they're billionaires in a lot of cases. And they tend to run businesses like businesses, not charities. And it's not that they should reduce salary. It's not that it's right that they reduce salary. But what they're doing is going, this is a business and we're going to take everything that's available to us and make this happen. Uh, and that is, that is, that's, you don't have to like that. That's just what they're doing. Uh, I don't particularly like it either. Like, why are you squeezing a guy who makes 200 grand so you can pay um, uh, a mid-level uh, defenseman three and a half million? You know what I mean? Is the two is saving twenty percent on two hundred grand really going to change things for you? Is that really going to make a difference? I don't think so, Adam. As as I'm going down the cap friendly rabbit hole, uh-huh. the Sabers have one goalie committed to next year. Well, that's not good, but a lot of teams are in that position. They have five defensemen committed to next season. Well, I mean, that's, that's uh, they have four forwards. That's it? On the whole roster? They have Jack Eichel, Jeff Skinner, Kyle Pozo, Marcus Johansson. Everyone uh, else is either an RFA or a UFA. Ooh. Lazar, Cahoon, Simmons, uh, Thompson, Sabotka, VC, Gergensons, Larson, Froelich, Olofsson, Reinhardt. Oh. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, my God. What are they going to do? I, how many prospects do they have? Holy shit. What are they going to do? They have 33 million bucks in cash. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, they're not going to spend it now. Them to flex their muscle. Or, well, they might not have it by the sounds of it. Makes me wonder, too. What are any of these teams going to do? If you've got a first-round pick, is it more valuable than a first-round pick in other years, especially to teams that don't have the money? Because at least then you can claim, like if you're GM of a, of a young team or of a team that has to shed salary, you can at least say, hey, we got some, some, some irons in the fire and in a couple of years, some of these trades are going to pay off for us. Like I, I look at Pittsburgh and I think, boy, they may have given up that first round pick too easy because, uh, yeah. because that first round pick could potentially be worth a fortune. 15th overall. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a Leaf fan, and I know Pittsburgh Penguins fans were already upset about it, but we don't, 
we don't have the market value of what a first round pick is worth yet. And it's going up all the time. It's going up all the time. With this Frank Saravalli article, how could it not? And, and who owns the first overall pick? Friggin' Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean, right? Like, could a team offer – I wonder if something ridiculous like this would happen. Could a team offer something for the first overall pick to the New York Rangers no. that the Rangers can't say no to? No. And then I the can, team – I can tell you before you even throw out any – You're not going to give up Lafreniere. That's never going to – that's never in a million years put every bet on it. doesn't matter. It's not going to happen. Because I tell you what. It's not going to happen with the Rangers, but if someone else gets a hold of that first round pick or that first overall pick, I wouldn't be uh, surprised if they were like, hey, laugh, going to spend another year in the queue because then they don't have to pay him all those bonuses. He's probably going to hit all the schedule A's. Well, they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah, they do. That's like four million bucks. No, no the, Rangers the Rangers don't. The Rangers yeah. don't. I'm talking about someone else. They're oh, they're not trading laugh. Yeah, but they're, they have him. Like, yeah, they have them. Why yeah. would you ruin your amazing situation? You're right. Yeah, yeah. They have an amazing situation. It's a laughably amazing situation that the New York Rangers have. They're lucky, man. They are lucky. Wow. Can I throw some uh, gas on the fire of the uh, Alex Petro news? Burn it, please. We brought him up, and I just I was looking for this tweet from Jeremy Rutherford, the uh, Athletic St. Louis writer. Um, he said that. Uh, if Petro reaches free agency, he's not going to be resigning with the Blues. So the report is, I'll read directly from the tweets. The NHL has confirmed October 9th as the opening day of free agency. That means the Blues and Petrangelo have less than a month to reach a deal. As I've written recently, there has been no progress. Things can change in a hurry, but it doesn't look promising at the moment. Ooh. Unless there's a last second change of heart, he won't be signing with the Blues once he hits the market. So after that October 9th date, Alex isn't interested in re-signing. So oh. that, that's very, I thought it was very interesting news that came out on Friday. And to get Justin Falk, the Blues got Falk in a 2025th for Joel Edmondson, who's now no longer on the Hurricanes, Dominic Bach, who was the 25th overall pick in 2018 and Guys like Scott Wheeler love him and a seventh. That is not nothing for a guy who might currently be costing you Alex Petrangelo. <laughs> Holy shit. Do you guys, what do you guys think happens in the next three weeks? Everything. Everything's going to happen. <laughs> Falk had 16 points this season? Oh, my God. The, the Blues are out of their minds. They're out of their minds. Yeah. I, it's, I really do feel... <laughs> More so than usual, like I'm grasping at straws, dude. What do you mean? Because what we've never been faced with the scenario that no one's got any money. No one's got any money, but we're going ahead with an 82 game season. We're gonna see some really dumb shit. And we're gonna see some guys, we're gonna see some guys with thinking along the same lines as me. Remember years ago we had a really stupid conversation? How much money? would be the minimum amount of money you could retire with. Yeah. And remember I was like 5 million bucks. I said something like 5 million bucks. You invest that properly, whatever, whatever. Yeah. hundred percent. Rest of your life. Yeah. You could do a it. Guy, a guy like Petro, a guy like Taylor Hall, 
they're going to look in their bank account if they've done it properly and be like, what am I doing? I could, I could take a 90% pay cut from what I expected and still make a million dollars to play for whoever. If you're Taylor Hall, you play for the Leafs, play for the Flames. You know, you have roots in both those places. The Avs, if the Avs have the space, like why wouldn't all top five, all of the top five free agents just be like, let's sign with the Avs for fun. Just completely collude. The the Players Association probably would have some problems with that. Gives a shit. Talk it out like LeBron, D-Wade, and Bosh. All of you sign with the Avalanche and giggle your way to the Stanley Cup. (laughs) Giggle. (laughs) Giggle. Imagine, uh, you know, it's just a shame that his point totals went down because he's playing behind Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. Andre Burakovsky, though, he's eating up third lines because Taylor Hall's in the second. Hilarious. Imagine the just the demolition crew of Taylor Hall, Nazem Kadri, and who cares? I love that line, the Taylor Hall, Nazem Kadri, and who cares line. They absolutely Best line in the do that. Best line in the league. Kadri Hall and who cares? That's how mm. you pronounce it, by the way. I asked because I asked him. I asked the fucking guy, man. I I just I've never I've never been grasping at straws like this. I, yeah. I have no idea what happens. None. Yeah, it's it's gonna be wild. So uh, watch for those rumors to pick up as we go. Like it almost I hate to say it, but it's the the product of the ice is gonna be secondary to the storylines that are gonna be happening off the ice. And I know that's an unpopular opinion, but don't tell. Like yes. Listen, it's interesting. The hockey's great. We love watching hockey. It's so great to have it back. And I still feel that way. But man, like, look at what we're facing. Look at what's about to happen. Don't pretend that this sort of unknown, this unprecedented, unseen thing uh, is not going to grab everybody's attention and not let go. And the thing is, some of these moves that are going to be crazy may not just happen in October. Like we're used to everybody in the NHL sort of, you know, they do their thing in the first week of July and then everybody kind of screws off for six weeks because they're exhausted. And that's fair. And you usually have teams that have spent all the way to the cap anyway. And it's like, we're, we're out of space. We're capped out. We can't do anything. We'll worry about it after training camp. But the longer this COVID thing goes on, the more teams are going to get desperate because they're going to look at their bottom line. Let's say it's not back in January. Let's say it's not back in February. Let's say we're looking at March maybe with no fans there are going to be some antsy franchises that are going to say we're toast if we don't do something about this right now so don't expect all the craziness right off the top listen i'm all for concentrated crazy i'm excited for october 9th i think it's going to be great but i think maybe december 17th january 12th february 10th you could see something come out of nowhere and just explode and go in any other context. This is not possible. You're, right you're going to be, you're going to be looking at the 2120, uh, sorry, the 2021 Stanley cup, the way you thought you would look at the 2021. You thought you would look at the 2021, like, Oh, there's an asterisk on this. You're going to be looking at the goofy rosters that come out of all this shit. <laughs> you're going to be looking at what teams go into 2020, 2021 with. And go, this guy would never be on this team without this scenario. 
He'd never be – if there wasn't a global pandemic, this city would not have this team. You know what I mean? Imagine the Sabres just contend out of nowhere. Because <laughs> they got $33 million or however the hell. I'm, I'm telling you, I still got my eyes on the abs, but God, just what a weird, wacky scenario. Everyone keeps bringing up uh, when Solani and Korea went to the abs. No one brings up the fact that they didn't win, but, but you could see it. You yeah, see. you could. You could. I mean, I think you're going to. Jesse, let's do the press conference. Oh, all right. The Presser SDP. The Steve Dangle Press Conference. Well, today we're going to kick off the show with the show, the press conference. Kick off the show with something I found very interesting. Okay. It's a tweet from Elliot Friedman. Elliot Friedman tweeted Here's Berkey 2020s, so Brian Burke, Canadian team rankings. So Brian Burke ranked all of the Canadian teams. Okay. He took the uh, Steve Dangle Russian players uh, um, school of rankings and just ranked them on best. Best. So this is the rankings. Tell me what you think. Number one, Toronto. The best. Great list. Number two, Edmonton. Number three, Vancouver. Number four, Calgary. Number five, Winnipeg. Well, no, they were tied. They were tied for fourth. It's true. Tied for fourth were Calgary and Winnipeg. <laughs> Sixth, Montreal. Seven, Ottawa. What do you guys think? Berkey, you got a future in this hockey thing, buddy. I think you nailed it. <laughs> I, I think you nailed it. Yeah. I do. I do. We're not ranking it by who's closest to the cup. If no. we were, it'd be the Oilers and Canucks, like we talked about last show. But I think the best team on paper is still the least. <laughs> they just shit the bed every year. And it shows how f- very far... Canada is from bringing the cup home. I I think Berkey nailed it. I have no notes. <laughs> I don't have a note. This is funny. Do you have a note with that list, Adam? Yeah. What? <laughs> what? So you're telling me the team with the best player in the league and the player who potentially who can win the Art Ross Trophy every year, who can be in the MVP conversation, who is not the best player in the league. You're telling me the team with those two guys is not number one? Yeah. Come on. Adam. Come on. They haven't made the How are the Oilers playoffs not? since 2017. They were going to this year. And then they didn't. Yeah. I was going to watch hockey in April. All our plans changed. And the Oilers didn't make the proper playoffs. And they didn't the year before. And they didn't the year before that. Yeah, but I agree that they have the. the but if, if you're going to go with the same argument that the Leafs have great talent but shit the bed, is are the Oilers not the same? They shit the bed harder, <laughs> with more force, with more veins in their foreheads. You mean the Leafs do? No, the Oilers. The Oilers do. There's no. It's listen. If you don't even make it to the dance, it's one thing if you have to go to the bathroom once you get there. Like. If, okay. They're, let me, let they're indigestion. They couldn't this. even go. Who do you take? Who do you take on your team? Okay. Oilers defense or Leafs defense? Friggin' go watch baseball is what I do. I'll take the Oilers defense, please. Probably. Ah. Who do you take? Leafs goalies or Oilers goalies? I don't even know if I take the Oilers defense, do. Uh, Leafs. Okay. 
Who do you take? Leafs forwards or Oilers forwards? Leafs. Jesse? I take I take Connor McDavid. Yes. Yeah. You take the best player. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. It's the Oilers. I'm sorry, it's not Steve. even close. What you take McDavid. You take McDavid and Drysaddle. Jesse finished Jesse. in the exact same spot the Oilers did. Are you kidding me, guys? Come on. Yeah, you're right. Don't, you're right. Don't <laughs> don't help each other. Here, do do you guys have paper in front of you right now? Uh, I can get some. I can I can use notes on my phone. Okay, you use notes on your phone. Jesse, you use notes on your phone. I do not paper. cheat. Do not cheat. Both okay. of you. Okay. Okay. Name five Oilers forwards who aren't McDavid or Drysaddle. Okay. Five. Okay. Oilers who forwards aren't, who aren't McDavid or Drysaddle. Who aren't McDavid or Drysaddle. Yep. Okay. Um, no, 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 no. Write, 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 write it down. Write it down because I don't okay. want you guys to cheat. <laughs> oh, wait. I'm not sure I can do it. I'm going to cheat because I'm the one who made the contest. <laughs> I get to cheat. This isn't that hard. You yeah? said five? Five. Who aren't McDavid or Drysaddle and you're not allowed to cheat. <laughs> Adam, are you done? I got one more to go. <laughs> oh, and sorry, Adam. And after that, I want you to rank them based on best. Adam, can you not do it? No, I think I can. I just got to think. Look how long you're taking. <laughs> Look how long. Jesse, what are you at? Only like forwards? Name Lakers with Only LeBron. forwards. LeBron oh, I can do it. I got it. Oh, I got, it's so easy. I, did, I, I got already five. won. I, got, I, got I have already won. Okay, I got four. I got four. All of you listening, how many of you got five already? No, well, None of you. Okay, Shut up. Okay, so the point you're trying to prove is that you they know. They suck outside of them. You know more of Leafs forwards? Like, I would think so. We do a Leafs podcast. Everyone does. <laughs> think, listen, we I do think, a show about the team at the center of the hockey universe. Yes, yeah. Jesse, yes. I get it. I think if we were doing an Edmonton Oilers podcast, we would be able to name every player on the team. Okay, well, everyone listening knows what the truth is. They, they know <laughs> how – everyone listening, how hard was it to come up with five names? It was Not hard. That, it, it was okay. It was a little I hard. Five. It was a little hard. It was a little hard. But that's not that's not because the team is better. Like, because we can name more Leafs, that means they're better. I think. I think no. I think Steve is saying the depth is better. But what I would say is the high end matters more. Oh yeah, the high, Leafs high end so bad. Also, I it's would not. Argue, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying when you've got two players who can produce 120 points, it's a little better than the guys that can produce 90. Also, or, I would argue that the depths are a little closer than you would think. So, what are your what are your players, Jesse? Nuge, Neil, Yamamoto, Ennis, Cassian. I got Cassian, Ennis, Athanasiu, and Neil. You should have put Nuge. Went with former Leafs. You both what? went with Tyler Ennis? <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? You both went with Tyler Ennis? This is the guy on the team. Made the team. <laughs> yeah, but can you tell me about Sam Phillipson? No. Nope. Yeah, because I made him up. <laughs> but you'd believe he was on the Oilers. I don't know. Sam you believe Phillipson. Sam Phillipson was on the Oilers. Come on. To me, it makes it just easier. It's sort of like, okay, well, here's who matters on the Oilers, and everybody else is just right. Right? You know what I mean? I what about Patrick Russell? Tell me about him. Steve, I don't you're, think he exists. You're overrating the Toronto Maple Leafs. Guess what? Patrick Russell does exist. He had five points. 
<laughs> I love it, this game. You are you are overrating the Toronto Maple Leafs. I am no. Listen, we're talking I about overall as a team. Ever, overall on as a team, who are you ranking amongst the Canadian franchises in terms of best? In terms of best, we are putting Edmonton above Toronto, and we think that Ryan Burke is wrong. Mm-hmm. I think Edmonton is above Toronto. You're great. Burke, you're great. B stands for Burke and not Bell. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, Steve Dangle. How many uh, of you hockey DB'd Sam Phillipson? Next questions, Jesse. This is from uh, Shonsky14. I have to ask if we do move Anderson, what's your top three goalie wish list? So you got to pair somebody with Jack Campbell. Who you guys got? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. He had That's to ask question. it. You know why he had to ask it? Because it's good. Uh, okay. I got a, I got a list. Okay. So do list, I. Or should I go? I got a list. You go. Okay. Jakob Markstrom is on that list. Mm-hmm. Supposedly the Leafs are willing to – Jacob Markstrom. Canucks fans always yell at me. Uh, supposedly he is on the Leafs r- radar and they are willing to at least kick tires on him. I am willing to kick tires on a goalie that good. A player who the Arizona Coyotes are mystifyingly shopping because apparently they have no money is Darcy Kemper. And I think he's been one of the better goalies in the NHL over the past two seasons. I would love him. And just because the Leafs keep getting linked with the Carolina Hurricanes, give me some James Reimer. I, d- I, just, I just want some James Reimer. You said wish list and I wish for James. That is all. What high-end prospect are they getting for taking James Reimer's contract? Mm. I'm serious. Because it's I a sure three, would like him. Make it three-something, isn't he? He'd be making double what Jack Campbell's making. So what's interesting about James Reimer is he's making $2.25 million in bonus this year, and then his base salary is just eight fifty. I bet the Hurricanes could finagle some sort of very interesting deal for him. I don't think it would involve the Leafs. No. God, I would love James. I know. I know that's personal for you. Yeah. Um, it sounds like it's off the market, but for me, my number one is going to be Robin Leonard. Um, right. But I think I think pretty fair to say that he's going to re-sign in Vegas. I mean, they're already talking about it. So I, I, there's smoke, there's fire there. Um, so if let's assume Robin Leonard's not available. Then I'll give you my three. Um, for me, it's got to be um, Matt Murray first. And the reason I say Matt Murray is because, yes, there's been injuries, but this is a guy that's won a couple cups. And I think that the fact that he doesn't have to come in and be necessarily that Matt Murray right away, he's got Jack Campbell to to balance him out, so he plays 50 games. Jack Campbell plays 32. They keep him in really good condition. And part of what's held up Matt Murray recently is the fact that he's been injured. The Leafs have a great medical staff, although I'm not even really sure if they're allowed to use them in the offseason now because everybody was upset that they were practicing together. God forbid somebody tries to win a Stanley Cup. Um, so Matt Murray's number one because he's 26 years old, and I still think there's a potential there. If Markstrom makes it to, um, to, the, to market, I'm concerned about the length of contract that the Leafs would have to go on him. So if you have to go five years, you're really concerned about the next three, and that's really what you should be worried about. Um, Markstrom's number two on my list, uh, but he is, if he's not 30 already, he's closing in on it real quick. So uh, I do have some concerns there. And uh, number three, uh, and I hate to parrot you, Steve, but Darcy Kemper is so intriguing. Um, you know, this is a guy that completely 
looked like he was going to fall out of the league and never be heard from again and has, has turned it around and has been one of the most consistent Arizona Coyotes there's ever been in that, you know, since Nick, Nikolai Habibulin, like really, really consistent. And four and a half million dollars and probably relatively low acquisition cost. Uh, I mean, it doesn't even, it, doesn't it even make sense to do, like if, if Arizona is really concerned about money, doesn't Freddie Anderson make a lot of sense for them after that bonus paid? Sam. And, Sam. you know, I mean, it's not like you do that one for one. I think, I think in that scenario, if Darcy Kemper, I don't know what his contract stipulates, but let's say Darcy Kemper has no bonuses. Then if I'm the Leafs, I argue you've got to throw something else in. We, uh, and if, and if oh. you're the Arizona Coyotes, you're probably like, okay, because we have to shed salary. And that's when we get my boy, Shalmerson, who I've wanted to be a Leaf forever and ever. I'm in. He's got a year left on his deal. The Leafs could absolutely use him in a second or third pairing role. And, you know, there's a guy that can step up and be your second. He's won cups, won three cups with the, with the Blackhawks. Again, I want some Stanley Cup pedigree mixed in with these guys. I want guys that have been there a little bit. Muzzin's been there. You see the effect he's had. Um, you see the effect that Marlowe had, and he hadn't even won a cup. Uh, you know, there was, there was some like, – you need some of those guys who are like, I'm old and bitter and leathery, and I, I could come in and smack you around a little bit. And Shalmerson's a guy that yeah. plays the game the right way. What, imagine, you know, a guy like Timothy Lilligren and a guy like Rasmus Sandy learning from a guy like that uh, who they can speak to and relate to. I think he makes a lot of sense for the Leafs. Um, so I think Darcy, I would love to see the Leafs work out a deal for Darcy Kemper. I think he's a low cost option, two years left on the deal. Not much to lose there. What's interesting with Kemper, the reason there's two years left on the deal is because it's just beginning. So I guess he already signed an extension and his base salary this year with no bonuses whatsoever this year or next is three and a half. And then the following year, it's five and a half. God, the Coyotes really got to decide whether or not they want to be an NHL team. Like, if you can't afford to pay a player that good making that much. Are you serious? Well, and that's why I keep looking at the, at the thing, the experiment in Arizona. And I, I do feel bad for Coyotes fans because they have never, ever been given a fair shake from the beginning. Never been given a fair shake. But from a business perspective, how do you look at a team or a, a, a city like Kansas City and not move the franchise there? And all the, all the, you know, sweetening the pot to get rid of a contract with what they don't pick till the fourth round this year. Well, that's what I mean. I think you, you're trying to shed salary. The Leafs could take a Shalmerson. It's a nightmare. Nightmare. Be nice. Clayton Keller's uh, Ooh, deal kicks contract. in. Man, people, people went after us about saying that daring to say the Clayton Keller extension is bad. I'm not going to say it's bad yet. No, like, I mean, you know, the, that thing was going around about um, comparing William Nylander's numbers to Nathan McKinnon's. And Nylander actually has better numbers right now. Than but Nathan McKinnon, McKinnon signed his contract like four years ago. Yeah, and also like he signed it like coming out of a dog shit year. It's, it's yeah. a unicorn. Like we're not, we're not going to see a not, deal that That's not par ever. for the course, man. That's just no. a, Who was doing this? I just saw it on Twitter. It was a it's bunch like, of people. Oh, oh you God. think Wayne Gretzky's good? Well, have you ever seen Jesus? Yeah. Like, and you're not, like, what are we comparing? This, Wayne only made three mil. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Wayne only made eight mil with the LA Kings in '93, which actually was his salary. So like, all that Clayton Keller is is how old is he? Where is he? He's 22, and he's already got a 65 point season under his belt. Now that was two full seasons ago, but let's not pretend like he can't. There, there's let's not pretend like there's no chance he ever lives up to his contract. The, right. the question for 22. me just becomes. The question for Is me just becomes, can the Coyotes pay it? Oh, yeah. He had seven points in their nine playoff games this year. Okay. So, okay. I mean, he was productive, but... Uh, Listen, I want it wow. to be good for them. I'm not rooting against the Coyotes. Like, this is... Why are you rooting against them? Because uh, I like kicking the little guy when, he's, when they're down. Like, really? It's, it's, it's just not... It's, it's a bad situation. And I think you got to look at that. Like, COVID could force the first move of a franchise we've seen in 20 years. Maybe. Well, not 20 years. The Jets, so not 20 yeah, years. Here's another weird option for the Coyotes. Uh, they have to – you know who they have to pay this year? Marion Hosa to the tune of $1 million. I wonder if they'd be able to ditch him in some sort of deal. Can you even trade him? I don't know. God, what a mess. Do you see how this is nothing like the Vegas year? This is, a, this is catastrophic. Mm-hmm. This is a mess, a total mess. I have no idea what comes out of this. The most valuable players in the league have now become guys on ELCs who can play. With no Schedule A bonuses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Watch, I, you're going to have a guy with Schedule A's. He's going to put up 30 goals. Yes, shit! What do we do? <laughs> yeah. What do yep. we do? Imagine like a guy like Matthews on a have-not team getting like scratched. Because he's sitting on 19 goals. Man, if only <laughs> if, if only you look at the, the fear that was going through Leafs Nation, and if only you could have said, hey, listen, you know there's going to be a global pandemic in a couple of years. <laughs> like, maybe maybe don't worry so much. <laughs> now, Kyle sure Dubas. Ma- it would have made me uh, uh, spend a little bit more at the deadline. Yeah, There is wow. no tomorrow. Go, go, go. Kyle Dubas has got a job ahead of him because obviously, yeah, the Leafs have an advantage, but taking advantage of that advantage is going to be the challenge. So see if he can do it. We'll see. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm on record as a Kyle Dubas fan, but he's got some work to do with this team. And uh, I think, you know, he's got the opportunity here where you could sign a pretty good free agent defenseman and probably add a couple more on the right side and, sh- and shore up whatever it is you need to shore up. And the Leafs look like a completely different team next year with probably a new goalie too. Man. I'm, I'm excited to see if that's possible. The team I'm going to really watch though is the New York Rangers. That's what I'm excited about. For me, it's the Evs. It seems like the NHL is leaning towards more 1A and 1B goalie situations instead of just having the starter going 60 games you know it seems like everybody's kind of leaning towards that so i hope the leafs also go in that direction it's almost like when your players are well rested they play better right and you want to maximize that and if the backup goalie is that much worse than the starter then why is he your backup goalie in the first place you're telling me out of all the goalies on the planet you can't find one one more come on yeah that's what i'm saying so listen you can have a starter that you pay big money. Just mm-hmm. the backup can't suck. Right. The backup I can't can. suck. You can pay a guy not much and have him not suck. It is possible. 
<laughs> that's true. Possible. That's very true. It's possible. That's very true. But uh, Leafs were like, how about these two really real bad options? <laughs> and then they got Jack Campbell. <laughs> uh, last question, Jesse. Uh, last question. I'm going to read you a story out of the NBA. Mm, ready. Um, on Saturday night, the Houston Rockets were eliminated from the NBA playoffs. One of their players, Daniel House, was not in the game. He was not in the game because he was uh, kicked out of the bubble. I'll read the statement from the NBA. The NBA has concluded its investigation of a recent violation of campus health and safety, safety protocols. The findings are that Houston Rockets forward Daniel House had a guest in his hotel room over multiple hours on September 8th who was not authorized to be on campus. That guest is rumored to be a female COVID tester. What do you guys think of this story? I think it's really hard to go two months without sex. For, <laughs> I mean, honestly. Uh, <laughs> and especially when you got to imagine when you're an NBA player um, that you can have sex pretty much whenever you want. Uh, you know, for, for us normals, that's a reality. That's just, you do sometimes go that long without sex because that's reality. But for an NBA player, what? What do you mean I can't have sex on demand like it's Netflix? Uh, so, you know, and, and listen, we, we're humans. We have urges. Uh, but I don't know and how you, you can't do it. If, you know, if, do you're, it. if right. you're in the middle of the NBA playoffs, you have to show some restraint. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> is what I'm going to say. Oh, listen, to I, 100%. I think that's obvious, though. You asked me what it showed. And what I sh- said it showed is that these guys who are used to having whatever they want, whenever they want, crack when they can't. Shocking. That dude, right. that dude got kicked out of the playoffs. I bet he's facing fines. Like, Lord knows what other type of punishment. I doubt it ends at just he was sent home with one game to play. And, th- and he was willing to risk that. Here's my question, as Mr. Conspiracy Theorist. Why did Lou Williams get basically nothing? When was, uh, what was, was the Lou the, Williams story? That was where he went to a strip club or something? He went to a strip club to get wings. Oh, right. Well, he, was, he, had, he had an approved absence to leave the bubble. Okay. And then, yeah, when he was out, he picked up some food at a strip club in Atlanta. He picked up some food at a strip club. That's where I find my best food is, the strip club. And he did have an extra week to where he had to quarantine, right? So there was some punishment there. I also think the league was sending a message that somebody who was supposed to be testing these guys is like, they're breaking quarantine with that. And that is, that's bad, right? What happened to them? Well, like their life is. Oh, she's this, fired. <laughs> yeah, which is such a like. Uh, but that's that's gonna mess like, up her uh, life. This dude getting sent home, I, as a bench player in the NBA, how much money you make, right? Like this, nine or ten, you're doing okay. Her life's messed up. That sucks, man. Yeah, it sucks. It really sucks. Because ultimately, it's just sometimes it's just a quickie and you're done, or a couple hour quickie. <laughs> like I don't. Let's be honest here. We're adults, are we not? Like, <laughs> so there's an explicit tag in the podcast. Yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of like, I, I don't know why we can't be honest about this sort of stuff. People have urges, both sexes, oh, yeah. uh, all sexes, excuse me. And I think that there, this is why the bubble concept that this was one of the glaring holes that nobody want to talk about with the bubble concept is that, that 
Well, Stephen A. wanted Two to months. talk about it. He wanted to talk about it. I bet it. it's he a did. little. It's a little different for people with girlfriends and wives because they were allowed in the bubble after round one. They were permitted in the bubble, so you get to spend time with your family now. But for right. people like House who are single, I presume, you know, it can. I assume <laughs> it got difficult. Yeah, what's Disneyland Tinder like? I wonder. They should have their Just own app called "I'm in the NBA." <laughs> like. <laughs> I think it's called Raya, actually. Um, what? <laughs> it's, it's an app for, for relatively famous people, I think. I think. Is that what that's Raya stands for? I don't know what it stands for, but I th- believe that's what it's called. Wow. So, All right. Wow. I just learned a thing today. Thank there you, you go. For that. I like learning. Learning's good. <laughs> that's crazy. It's crazy to me there's still two more I, rounds of NBA playoff say- to play. I know it was really irresponsible, but I really feel like she shouldn't get fired. I know yeah. that's bad. <clears throat> I hate the idea of her getting fired. Mm-hmm. There's something that does not sit right. Yeah, I agree. Too. Are, they not, are they not in that bubble? They, I don't know what the system is for uh, people like testing and that sort of stuff and the support staff around it. You would think in order to be administering tests, you would have to be in the bubble, but I don't. No, I don't know. I don't know either. You would think. I mean, they're the ones administering the tests, for crying out loud. And if that's the case, what's the big deal? They're all in the bubble together. The big deal is they said not to, and they did anyway. Yeah, but why can't I do it? Well, I told you not to. And, like, those are the rules they're operating with, I guess. We don't know that she was fired. We don't know that at all. I hope that she wasn't. I genuinely hope not. (laughs) I hope not. Um... Can I just say quickly too, as a as a as a basketball fan, but not like an in depth knower of basketball, um, I think the Houston Rockets missed their chance to win the championship last year. The fact that they like the L.A. the Lakers just like like they just walked them. Like yeah, last year last year they were up three uh, two on the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant out and Steph Curry when all playoff Steph on them and won both those games. And I don't think the Warriors were ever concerned about the Rockets. And that seems to be like the, the theme of this little era of them shooting a whole bunch of threes is that once they reach the playoffs, every team's just like, okay, try this thing again and try it in the playoffs. And every single time it fails. Right. Every single time they try and just win a game by shooting a million threes, it never works. Right. And I think it's over. I think the experiment proved that it's not going to get it done. So yeah. The Rockets era is kind of done. I think the I think the era was done when they almost lost to the team they made the huge trade with in the first round. No, oh, <laughs> yeah. who wasn't cheering for Oklahoma? Come on, yeah. I wanted Chris Paul to win so bad. Yeah. That would have been fun. That would have been uh, cool. It's no, it's no fun that they took him to seven and then lost. Boo. I wanted to see him win. <laughs> Boo. Boo. It's not fun that they were close. Oh, wow, you were close. No, I wanted them to win. Shit. Okay. Uh, oh, well. Well, with that, we'll wrap, and then we'll go uh, – we'll see you Wednesday, uh, where we should – we could, by Wednesday, know exactly who's in the Stanley Cup final. In fact, I think we will. And, uh, and then we've got, like, potentially a week of hockey left until who the hell knows. How crazy is that? Well, Adam, we can't leave. We've got to do another 45 minutes on the breaking news. What's the breaking news? <sighs> Mark Giordano – just won the Mark Messier Award for leadership, leadership, captain, leadership. Wow. Is he, he going to hold a cookie above his head? No. 
No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good for Mark Giordano. That's great. Uh, Still not sure about that award, but hey, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. That award is the awkward pause award, right? It's like the, okay, cool. All right. I'm sure the best leader. Grats on the leadership, bruh. (laughs) By the way, it should have gone to Nathan McKinnon as well. This is Nathan McKinnon's here. Yeah, but Drew Down's older, so. Yeah, there you go. That's true. All right, well, listen, we're out of here. We'll see you Wednesday. And until then, Tony was onside. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. Connection.